Hello and welcome back to the Omaha Podcast, where Omaha's most successful entrepreneurs help your business grow. I'm your host, Matt Tompkins of Two Brothers Creative. So how do you do what you love to do and actually make a living doing it? On today's episode, we'll give you the playbook on how to do what you love for a living with Omaha stories that prove it's never too late to make it happen. It's interesting when you when you grow up, as they say, and I'm not saying I'm grown up in that sense, but as you get older, you you have a new perspective. You look back on all the years so far in your life, and there are, there are pivotal moments that you could have gone one direction and maybe other people in your life did. Specifically, I remember when I was about 24 years old, uh, I, I was going to school and I started interning at uh, Clear Channel Radio there for KFAB and I loved it. I finally found this thing, it fit. So I spent every day up there, all the time. At weekends, my friends would give me so much grief on Friday and Saturday for not going out and they would go out. Well, they had jobs, they worked construction, they had their own apartments, you know? And I was living with my mom and dad, you know? The joke was I would have to tell girls like, no, I have three roommates. My mom, my dad, and my brother, but you know, it, it, which Except didn't it wasn't work. a joke. It, it, it wasn't a joke. It didn't work. And you're still living with your mom. I'm still living yeah. with my, and Ben too. It's, we're a very cohesive family unit. But I, I, I felt embarrassing at the time. And I thought, man, like I love doing this, but I mean, maybe they're right. Maybe I should just take a normal job, whatever that is. And I didn't. I stuck with it. It was three months into that internship that a position opened up. I was hired, hired part time for a couple of weeks and then a full-time position opened up and I spent 12 years working right there in that radio station, 17 years in radio and eventually in television. It was it was making that decision that kind of shaped the rest of my life. And I look at these other people, not in, in judgment or anything, but I wonder like, are they really happy because they're still doing that same job? You know, those 70 hour a week construction jobs that are hard on your body when you're 24, let alone when you're 41. And I just wonder, you know, do they look back the same way and regret, you know? And I think that's a, a big motivator. 40 years from now, am I gonna regret not doing things I love, you know, missing out on those opportunities? And today we're talking about how to do what you love, how to make a living doing what you love. Recently, um, Kathy Thayer at Fabric Bash uh, expanded her footprint of her quilting business by nearly 15-fold. It's uh, it's a, now a quilting destination across the country. But it wasn't that long ago that Kathy left the life of a massage therapist that specialized in cancer patients, and she wanted to do something uh, that she was passionate about. She wanted to make a living doing something in the quilting and fabric world. And that's a really tough decision to make. There's a lot of fear involved. And over the course of three or four or five years, she talked about it. And eventually, she took the leap of faith and she did it. And her business is growing by leaps and bounds now. But Kathy is not the normal person. The average person in America is so fearful of doing something they love that they don't do it. And it will haunt them the rest of their lives. You know, similar to you, Matt, I 
thought I knew what I wanted to be when I grew up and but I didn't I didn't dig in like you did and uh, you know I like you were you in journalism in high school no 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 they I, I would make up information in all my articles so they they ended that pretty quick the, the journalistic integrity <laughs> our principal has three ears I, I swear I was there I, I'm a journalist no that was that was what I lived and breathed and and uh, uh, in the creative side and the photography side on the writing side I was an editor and I just knew that was what I wanted to do and went to school uh, for advertising and marketing and went down to the University of Kansas and uh, moved back up to Omaha when I was 22 years old and this is where it's a little ironic I think I've shared this with Joe before but I applied for what would have been my first advertising job um, downtown which is a is an agency that's no longer in existence and it happens to be right across the street from where our office is down on 26 and harney and but it took me 20 years to get back to get back to there. Make it, yeah. i did so yeah. that that dejected me so much at that time but i also happened to be working a job you know i was doing the job you know as i was pursuing what i wanted to do well then i then that job hooked me and for 20 years, I had a career in human services and sat on the Douglas County Juvenile Drug Court Treatment Team for a decade um, and, and did a number of different things. And that's actually how Joe and I met was I was the executive director of a nonprofit, not doing what we're doing today. I'm now doing what I wanted to be. When I, I want to clarify up. something. Uh, just so the listeners are clear, I was not one of the delinquents. That's not how we. It's not, uh, it's no, not how we met. He is today. Not yeah, was today. It back then, it's changed. Yeah. Things have changed, but but no. And this was a a, a wonderful nonprofit serving those uh, that are differently abled. You know, uh, children and adults, and and uh, I was the executive director, and Joe came in and did um, some incredible consulting uh, for the business and then also was leading a capital campaign and raising money. And it, I, I remember a conversation. I think Joe, you asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> and, and, you know, I was just North of 40 and you were nudging it younger. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it really kind of occurred to, to me at that time that, you know, it's, it's not too late. No. And when we when we get asked that question, we always sell our, ourselves short, way short. You know, uh, I ask uh, would ask college students when I was as teaching uh, as an adjunct, I would ask them, well, "What do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up?" And they would laugh, and I said, "No, seriously, I want to know." Like, well, I'm gonna, I am grown up now. It's like, no, you're not, not yet, not until you're doing what you're meant to do. That's that's really when you kind of hit that stride and you're happy, you feel fulfilled. I mean, I we've all been in those jobs or positions we just we don't feel fulfilled and that that really wreaks havoc on your mental health, on your physical health and it's pretty quick how that can just be a slippery slope and everything can slide to a point where you wonder how did I get here? How did I get to this place? I'm not happy with anything. And I think it's those moments, it's those key moments that do come along in all of our lives. We're faced with that that question, you know, do you want to go this way? The, so that maybe the easier seems like the easier way uh, might get a lot harder down the road. This is hard right away, but it could end up being what you're meant to do. It could end, uh, end up being uh, amazing. And it involves risk. Yeah. And people are risk averse. Yeah. I suspect that the the average person will never tell even their closest confidant what they really want to be when they grow up. They won't even tell their spouse. 
because once they tell somebody, then they'll be challenged. Well, why don't you do that? And that gets difficult. Yeah. I want to hit on some, there are a lot of tools uh, that you can use today that didn't exist you know, 20 years ago, even two years ago. Uh, you know, everything from Patreon, which uh, our friend Jeff Katerba uses, a lot of artists and, and people, podcasters use that. You have OnlyFans. I don't know if you've checked out my OnlyFans page, but it is <laughs> popping. I mean, it is, I'm not gonna tell you what it, what I do, it, but it it's, it's very magical. I, I'm pretty sure Chris is a, a subscriber, if I remember right, but we'll keep that. Anonymous, uh, but there, the oh. point is, <laughs> whatever you want to do, uh, there is a, actually a way to do it. It's much more tangible today than I think it's ever been before. So I know Joe, you've had a lot of experience working with people to uh, make their dream a reality. That seems like you could not make any money. It seems impossible to make money doing that, but they figure out a way to do it. How, how do they do that? Okay, first, I see the business world or making money or careers as windows and doors. That's the way I have always viewed it, viewed it and it's not you know, necessarily a popular viewpoint. So the, the, the average person that you meet chooses to go through windows. Windows are opportunities that you can clearly see. You're going to be uh, an advertising executive. You're going to be a restaurant chef. You're going to be a quilt maker, and it's very clear what that is. And those very clear career paths uh, have salaries and known benefits, right? You're going to be an electrician. There you go. You know what you're going to make on year three, four, five, and six. And you see everybody else do it, getting the same thing and right. making the same choice. Right. So those, those are windows. But I prefer to go through doors. You do a lot of knocking before somebody opens up a door. And you can't see through the door, so there's so many things that are unknown. You don't know what it's going to pay. You don't know what type of person you're going to work with. You don't know the opportunities that exist. And that excites the heck out of somebody like me. And all, I mean, all entrepreneurs, I mean, Christopher, I know you've worked with so many who started at that exact point where they see a door and they go, I'm gonna have to knock on a lot of doors. I think entrepreneurs say, okay, uh, you know, give me a, I don't right. know, give me my fist, I'm ready to knock, you know? I, and you know, have, have you seen a lot of people that were at that same point? That's a great analogy, I think, to take away, yeah. Yep, absolutely, and and I think that a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that they have to, that they have to go it alone. And so therefore they don't feel as though they have the energy or maybe they really don't have the energy or, or the knowledge um, and being able to, to know that there's support out there, whether it's in funding, you know, as mm -hmm. we'll be discussing, you know, funding or just support and services, uh, their dream is attainable. I, you know, when I was teaching it, back to that example, I, I think it kind of fuels the the next part of the conversation where they would say, I, I want to do radio, but you know, we, I, most people in the industry might be aware it, radio is, is not hiring. You know, there's not a lot of opening positions and most of the time they're firing people and laying people off. It's very sad and unfortunate. I've been through, I don't know how many rounds of those types of situations, but there are these, these big mega, couple big mega radio corporations uh, where their bottom line is beholden to, you know, their, their stockholders and the price. So it happens, it's a reality. But I tell them just because you can't do it on the radio doesn't mean you can't do radio somewhere else. Right. And I think that's a that's a good way to reframe it. Um, I wanna I wanna be a, an artistic painter. I wanna paint uh, beautiful paintings. 
uh, I can't I have to sell my paintings. Is that the only way to do it? Well, that's the that's the traditional way. What if you did custom murals for people's offices or you know whatever it might be? There is a way you can make a living doing a version of what you love to do. Yeah, absolutely. The typical entrepreneur would say, I'll jump off this cliff and I'll build an airplane on the way <laughs> yeah. down, right? That's their mindset. And people that are fearful about taking on a passion as a way to produce income and a livelihood and maybe just a better way of living overall – uh, they could learn from an entrepreneur. They could really learn about just letting go and just take a leap of faith, take that next step. We live in a digital age that's magnificent. There are so many unique opportunities. If you are somebody that loves to travel, I'll give you a hundred ways to make money. Uh, and so, you know, in the show notes, I'm happy to happy to drop yeah. some show notes in there on on my number, you know, top five ways to make yeah. money digitally with something that you're passionate about. But I'll just I'll drop I'll drop one right now. Uh, right now, there are. Um, unique opportunities to build niche sites, websites that are hyper, hyper focused. So if you are a travel blogger or, excuse me, somebody that likes to travel, uh, there are unique ways to build a niche site so that you can monetize that in a way that is uh, legacy building thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars a day. And you do it in a way that uh, you you build content, you write content, you you load these articles up into these niche sites, and advertisers will pay money all day long to place ads on your website. I have a cadre of folks that I know that are making a living this way, doing the things they love to do. That's a question I get all the time with podcasting. Um, people say, well, how do I make money podcasting? And you quickly find out it's very hard to get enough downloads to make where somebody just comes knocking on your door and says, I want to advertise on your show. Only 7% of all podcasts worldwide hit that, qualify for that. Not, not even just make a really good amount of money, just qualify with, with over 3 million podcasts, mm -hmm. almost 3 million world, worldwide right now. But it is actually it's easier than you think if you know what you're doing. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's not just going to happen, uh, but it's exactly what you're saying. The riches are in the niches. You know, that's what Wendy always says, and it's very, very true. You know, I always coach people, you want to get painfully specific, like so specific it feels uncomfortable to the point where you're like, this is literally just one person who's going to enjoy my podcast. You know, I want everybody. And the minute you try and be uh, for everyone, you resonate with no one. And in podcasting, in business, you want to resonate deeply with people. They want a deep connection. You know, people listen to six to eight podcasts regularly a week. How do you get into their top eight? You know, it's by resonating deeply. And that's a great takeaway for any business. Even if you're not doing a podcast, you need to resonate deeply with people. I was going to say, and, and watching you go through that process with with customers clients is is really fascinating it's been very eye-opening and and you're right not just niching it down to that particular person but even giving that person a name yeah as we've An done age how many kids mm -hmm. do they have what kind of car do they drive what tv shows do they watch i mean yeah you mentioned your wife wendy i was over at your house last week and i was visiting with wendy oh uh, wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> matt you were there oh that's right yes i forgot okay you're right <laughs> yeah i was there 
and Wendy is a really talented crafter. If oh that's, yeah, if that's what you she's that's what you call her. We have a craft house. I just live in her craft room. That's basically what the situation we but have. I walked away saying, why why doesn't she go make a living crafting? Uh, you know, with the entrepreneurial mindset, I went down those stairs and I'm like, I, I owe it to her to go back in and say, go after it, go yeah. get it. The money's there, the career's there, the people that, that want to buy your types of crafts, they're out there. We just have to figure out how to connect them. That's 100% accurate. And not only can I say, just say that's accurate, there's proof because there's a story. This is a woman, she's well-known in the crafting world. Her name is Anna Griffin. And I know Wendy's gonna really freak out because I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Anna Griffin here on our <laughs> podcast, but Anna Griffin was that person. She yeah. was Wendy. And she, there are so many people out there like Anna Griffin. She started off doing this thing with these crafting. She got really good at crafting using her Cricut, which is what they used. I know too much about crafting. This Cricut machine that they used to cut the paper and do all the fun things. Eventually, people started saying, wow, I really love what she's doing. It has turned into such a business. She does these uh, live stream events where people aren't there in person. And she's making $2 million in a three-day period. That's how big, that's a big crafting is. Real, right. But that's how big she has gotten. And, you know, we we look at people and we say, wow, I don't, how do you make a, I don't you make money doing that? Like, I don't know how to do that. There's always a way. We just have to be creative. And I think surrounding yourself with the right people who are going to push you, uh, motivate you, and hold you accountable. Yeah, if you've got an idea for something that you'd, you've always thought about doing, you have to get beyond that fear. You have to share it with somebody. And then you have to come to the realization that once you share it, people aren't gonna tear you down for it. People that you're surrounded with should love you for who you are. Take you just as you are with ideas of doing something you know, passionately and, and willing to take a leap of faith to try to make some money doing it. I know as I look back 20 years ago, I wish I had learned a lot of things. I wish I had learned how to speak Spanish. I wish I had, uh, you know, learned how to juggle. I wish I had learned how to dance. All of those are never too late. And it, right. no, right. you're right. It is never too late. But that's always a, a lesson I, I've kind of held myself to. Is okay. Ten years from now, and Wendy's the lesson is like, oh, you know, ten years from now, is it going to matter what you did if you failed in the next six weeks trying this thing? And I want to. I know there are regrets looking back now, so I want to be sure that 20 years from now, yeah. I can look back and say, man, when I was you know, 41, I was hanging out with uh, Christopher and Joe, I, I brought up the fact that I can't speak Spanish or juggle, you know, but. but now I'm dancing around speaking yeah, Spanish and juggling. I know, and, but you're right. I mean, you don't want to look back and say, I missed the opportunity to be truly happy, feel uh, true joy and, and passion and fulfillment every single day of my life. That's what's really beautiful about what it is that we do, and we all we all work with with these um, clients and customers that they are pursuing their passion, they are pursuing their dream, and it, it may not be moving quite as fast as they had hoped. Um, but you know, we like pushing that accelerator a little bit and pushing that button and challenging them, and then to see to see that come back, you know, to see the joy that they actually are experiencing doing what it is that they love to do. We've had the unusual opportunity to work with a lot of celebrities, world-famous people. Uh, about a year ago last week, we met with like the number one horse whisperer in the world, world champion. We've worked with world champion pitmasters. And if you think about the road that they've taken, they've followed something that they really love to do, and they, they got really good at it. That's a 
great place to kind of wrap things up because I know you mentioned including some some information, some links in the in the show notes for, uh, we have some that are just basics on how to recognize what you actually love to do, what you want to do, and then how to do it. And those uh, some of those things like the five uh, things you mentioned, you can make money digitally. Um, but I also want to just kind of vouch for uh, what I've witnessed firsthand over the last you know year plus with uh, Joe, Joe and Christopher because the stories you tell me, the things I see uh, from you know a woman who has a boutique in a small town that is this big time, big city level income success uh, just using a simple app on her phone. Uh, these incredible stories of every, you know the 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 musicians and the famous people. My point is that it's all random. None of them are all the same. They're all different, but they share what I think you have in common, which is you're an entrepreneur and you want to do what you love. And if those are all different and they can do it, find that team to help you uh, make your your dream a reality. Matt, the boutique owner that you're you're speaking of, highly educated, uh, multiple degrees, went to medical school and hated it and dreamt of a day that she could make money in the fashion world. So one day she she had enough guts to put a pair of shoes online for sale. Somebody drove to her house, looked at them in the mailbox and said, I'll buy them. PayPal'd her the money for the shoes and it was with that that she said, I could really make a living doing this. And she left the medical field to go build a massive, robust, woman's boutique in small town America and people are flying in from around the country just to experience what she has to offer. It's an incredible story. It, it is. I was, I mean, Ben You've was been there. there. Yeah, it is. To see the amount of boxes just alone that there, these are all the things, like it was a whole basement full of boxes and I'm thinking, wow, it's their inventory for the year. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, no, that was for the, <laughs> the was week or the day. Shipping for the out show. that day. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. shipping out that day. Uh, it really is incredible. So, I mean, the key takeaways for people, the uh, the ingredients, if you will, that you need to do what you love. You need to know what you love first. I mean, have a clear vision of this is what I really want to do. Uh, I think doing it and not stop doing it, even if it's a, I know when I, when I was trying to build up enough uh, steam, if you will, to uh, not have to renew my my radio contract and not have to to do that that full time job. You know, I was picking up a lot of side work, and it was a lot. It was a few years of you know working a lot of hours, doing the the thing I loved on the side, and doing the thing you know I still love doing radio, but that paid the bills, that had the the benefits. So there are ways you can do that. Any other uh, keys that you think people need to really uh, kind of focus on as far as they're, they're at square one right now and they want to get to 100? Yeah, one, believe that what you have to offer that you're passionate about, somebody is looking for your type of talent. They're out there. You just have to believe it. Overcome the fear and surround yourself around people that will support you with your hopes and dreams. You belong in the room. Absolutely. Like you belong in the room. If you believe you belong in the room, you're there. And when you love it, no week is too long, no day is too long, and, and you really do love what you do, and it's the beauty of it. I, my mama used to joke, and she said, because uh, Ben and I worked in radio together for about 10 years, and uh, she would listen to us, and people would ask her, like, what, what are your kids doing these days? What do they do for a living? And, you know, well, we, they, 
sit in a room that's dark. There's no light or windows. It's a dark little room. So they make weird sounds and they <laughs> they do these weird things. I don't know. There's buttons. Like it was hard to describe. It, you know, it's hard to describe a day in my in any of our lives when you when you're just doing what you love. You can't just say, "Oh, I log TPS reports." That's what I do. You know, you want that. Be the undescribable. On the next episode of the Omaha Podcast, we're going to be joined by Jeff Katerba, who is the embodiment of that artistic expression we admire so much, but he also proves that you can profit from your passion. How do you make a living doing what you love to do? Well, Jeff Katerba is the prime example. He joins us next on the podcast. And don't forget to check out all those extensive links in our show notes, 16 different sites, platforms, and boards for you to make a living doing what you love to do today.